0: Episode 848. The Green Bay Packers started off the season with a win as the defense held the Seahawks out of the end zone. We break down the game with Packers shareholder and Seattle resident Ben Gruel. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. (laughs) Next. Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the Internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the Packers season opening victory. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone.
1: Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay?
0: We're joined by Seattle resident and Packers shareholder, Ben Gruel. Ben, how you doing this morning?
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Great day in the Pacific Northwest.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure your compatriots out there in the Pacific Northwest would, would agree, but... We'd like to thank Ben for coming on the show awful early, 6.30 a.m. Pacific time, uh, to talk about a Packers victory, but I think he'll have some unique perspective living out in Seattle territory. Uh, Ben, big picture, can we place you in the category of a a win is a win, given a a relatively boring, low-scoring game Sunday?
1: Uh, I think we can definitely place this in the uh, category of actually, I think a great win, Brian. I think, you know, I predicted this was going to be a low scoring affair. I pulled my fellow cheese heads out here that, that I was looking for like a 17, 13 Packer victory. Uh, you know, the Seattle Seahawks have arguably one of the better defenses that we'll see in a long time. Um, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pro bowlers out there. Um, you know, but at the same token, they have just a dreadful offensive line. I thought Green Bay really needed to take advantage of uh, what is a pedestrian at best offensive line on the Seahawks' uh, offensive side of the ball, and I think they did that. Um, and you know, they did what they needed to do on offense, took advantage of a bad turnover by Russell Wilson, put out you know enough points on the board to win. Um, you know, beginning of, you know beginning of the season um, generally favors defenses and um, you know, I thought that Seattle was going was gonna to be tough, and, you know, they were, and they, you know, they, they're they a 12-13, you know, win football team this year, I think. So, you know, I think, you know, a win's a win, but I think this was a pretty good victory for Green Bay to start off the season.
0: I perhaps should have known better. I thought it was going to be a little more high-scoring game, but, you know, thinking, oh, it's good weather and all those kind of things, but I, I perhaps shouldn't have known like you did. That, you know, defense a little bit ahead of the offense early in the season. Not that that can't change down the road, but good win by the Packers regardless. Ben, are you encouraged by the play of the Packers defense that held the Seahawks to 225 total yards and helped the Packers win the time of possession battle by a significant margin?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a clear, you know, it's a small sample size, but it seemed like a clear improvement from last year. You know, the D line looks spectacular. Uh, Lots of off-season chatter about, you know, Kenny Clark making a big second-year bump, and he looked great yesterday. Um, I thought the secondary did its job, uh, I think with the exception of that long throw to Baldwin at the end of the half, um, and then that Wilson missed throw to Lockett, um, where Daniels got just enough pressure there to force kind of an off-throw from Wilson. Um, You know, the Seahawks' best play yesterday was, you know, Wilson up the middle, um, you know they did very little in the run game, and you know they really never got the passing game going. And um, so yeah, it's a small sample size. As I said earlier, I mean the Seahawks just have a dreadful offensive line. As as much chatter as there was this year, in the Seattle sports radio realm about uh, the D line being world class, there was equal chatter about concerns about on the offensive side of the ball, and especially at the offensive line. And and so, um, yeah, the, you know, the Packers took advantage of that, and um, I'm, you know, it's, again, small sample size, but I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by what we saw yesterday.
0: Specifically, how impressed were you by Mike Daniels? You just mentioned the pressure he put on Russell Wilson before, and do you think he'll continue to be used more as a pass rush presence on third downs the rest of the season? In times he, you know, at times he wasn't last year.
1: Yeah, I was reading a few articles this year earlier in the summer about the fact that Daniels was on the field. I think it was what 49% of third down snaps last year, which was a little bit surprising to me. I, you know, I know that Green Bay had that was it the Cadillac package, which featured a number of some of the Packers better perceived to be better pass rushers. Um, so you know, you gotta hope that he's on on the field for at least you know three quarters of third down snaps through the rest of the year. You know, I understand that they want to keep him fresh for early downs, um, but when you have a mismatch up front like we did against Seattle, it's hard not to have him there, you know, for at least three-quarters of those snaps. And, you know, he took advantage of it, and he had one of the more dominating performances by a Packer D lineman. You know, dare I say, since Reggie White, Aaron Campman, I you know, I can't think of, uh, of a performance that stood out that much um, by a Packers defensive lineman for years. I mean, he was just dominating – um, you know both in the running game and uh, um on the in the passing side putting pressure on wilson uh, he was just everywhere um and uh you know we know he's a very talented player it just it seems it seems odd that we would put him on the sidelines for such a critical down moving forward and again i was actually surprised that he was only out there for 50% of those third down snaps this past year and i think that number needs to be raptured up a bit
0: yeah, perhaps partly due to, uh, you know, the, the new acquisition, Quinton Dial. He's just here for two practices. He was inactive. Ricky Jean-Francois, a relative newcomer. So Mike Daniels getting a lot of playing time. I, I hope it continues even. And those guys are, are more role guys than anything else. Um, But, but Ben, on offense, let's take a look on that side of the football. How did you feel about the performance of Ty Montgomery who despite averaging a, a relatively meager 2.8 yards per carry, he also scored a touchdown and had a career-high 19 carries while Jamal Williams really barely played.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I had a couple friends after the game who thought, you know, that we're kind of questioning Montgomery's play. You know, I thought he did what he, I thought he kept the Seahawks' run defense honest. Um, you know, 54 yards on the ground. I think he got a total of, what, 23 total touches, 39 in the air. Um, you know, I would love to see Montgomery get that 20 to 25 touches a game. I think if he, he's, if he does get that, Packers are in good shape offensively. Um, you know, he, he kept the Seahawks' defensive line honest enough where Rodgers was able to get out outside on a couple um, play-action passing bootleg situations, including that – the. the Passed the, the Bennett there at the end, the sealed victory, and put us in victory formation. Um, I think he did just enough to, to keep that line honest. And he didn't. I don't think he had any negative plays. Um, in contrast to our former Green Bay Packer running back Eddie Lacy, who was just dreadful yesterday. Um, I thought Montgomery was was solid, and um, you know, 54 yards, 2.8 average isn't great. But if you'd like to see that up in the three and a half, you know, four yards per carry, but you know, against a off a defensive line that has Michael Bennett, Sheldon Richardson, Cliff Avril, um, Frank Clark, um, you know, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, uh, I think he will do better in upcoming weeks, and and we can uh, attribute that to a very good Seattle defense. And and I thought he played well considering the circumstances. But were you were you surprised? First of all, Brian Balaga didn't play, and then conversely, how how do you think Kyle Murphy fared in his first career start?
1: Uh, I, I was surprised Um I think everybody except for maybe Aaron Nagler were surprised. Um, <laughs> you know, he practiced, I believe he practiced most through the week. And so the last second scratch I think was kind of came out of right field. Um, so hopefully, you know, knock on wood, this is just one blip on the screen for Balaga moving forward. Cause I think we need that starting five offensive line healthy, especially given some of the depth issues there Um uh, you know, I thought Murphy played as good as could be expected when you are facing uh, such a you know a, a talented defensive line like Seattle has. Um, you know, he got beat by Averill there early. Um, you know, there was a few times on some running plays where he got I think well that one play where Montgomery got tripped up. You know, Murphy was all all over on the left side of the offensive line. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, he definitely had some issues, but, you know, he didn't get his name called that much in the second half. And that's generally the sign that an offensive lineman's doing his job. So, you know, we'd like to see him uh, as our primary backup moving forward. But, you know, I think he, he did what, what what could be expected. And, you know, he seemed to improve as the game went on.
0: Yeah, I, I honestly was very surprised Brian Belaga didn't start considering, like you said, he practiced all week. I mean, that's that's the sign you're looking for that, you know, sometimes they hold those guys out to the last moment, you know, like they'll have one practice under their belt for veterans and go out there, but wasn't the case with Brian Belaga. We'll, we'll see what, what he, his status is going forward. Um, Ben, uh, kind of an open-ended question here. Which of the Packers' free agents, they signed this this season, and they signed seven of them. Which one do you think made the biggest impression Sunday?
1: Uh, Maybe uh, a couple, I think. Maybe one that was maybe a little bit of a surprise, but I thought Jari Evans played great. Uh, He had that one bad holding call. You did? Um,
0: I thought he played poorly.
1: Oh really? Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's all right because Pro Football Focus in their grading thought he did well as did well too. So maybe I'm in the minority.
1: Huh? Well, it's interesting. I haven't seen his PPF grade. Yeah, I mean, I know he had that awful holding call, and maybe he did get pressured up middle a little bit. But I, you know, I thought he played better than average. Um, uh, and then, you know, I thought Marty Bennett. You know, I think he only had two catches on maybe six targets, five, six targets. Um, but the, the one tough catch through, you know, f- from Rogers and what was those, one of those classic Aaron Rodgers just how did he do that throws, um, you know, was, was a big, um, you know, was a, was a big play to move the chains. And then of course, you know, sealed it on that, what was that 25, 30 yard bootleg at there at the end. Um, you know, and he clearly drew attention from, from Seattle and opened up the perimeter for Jordy and and especially Cobb to have some, both have big days as well as Devante who didn't play great, but also, you know, had some nice catches there. So, you know, those two, I think stood out. And other than that, it was pretty quiet for most of the free agent acquisitions.
0: Yeah. Maybe a little bit bigger, uh, performance going forward from some of those guys. And I, I suppose you can understand it's the first game. They're still getting used to the schemes and the systems, but definitely that big catch by Martellus Bennett, uh, the, I believe the final catch of the game before they started kneeling on it was a big one. Um, Ooh. But Ben, not, not, exactly packers related here but just interesting tj watt became the first player in nfl history to record two sacks and an interception in his nfl debut while kevin king played sparingly did the packers make the correct choice with their first nfl draft pick
1: uh um you know my heart says no because you know being a packer badger fan you would have loved to see tj Watt. um you know, in the green and gold, um, you know, you know, the bloodlines in that family, <laughs> you know, TJ Watt and JJ J. Watt seem to have a very similar trajectory. And so there was a part of me, uh, before that draft that was just hoping that green Bay was going to snag him thinking that, you know, he, as he continues to develop, he's going to, you know, be a sensational talent, similar to what his brother is, though they're completely different players. um, you know, Kevin King, of course, University of Washington quarterback. I watched him play a number of times out here in Seattle, you know, fast, big, you know, the kind of quarterback that, you know, that Seattle actually, the Seahawks have been, you know, um, succeeding with, you know, through the last six, seven years here. Um, you know, we needed, We knew we needed depth in the secondary. I think Kevin King has a tremendously high ceiling, but yeah, it does kind of pain pain pained probably all Green Bay Packer fans to see that TJ Watt was on the board there uh, earlier this year. Green Bay didn't snag him. And then, you know, he has just a huge um, NFL debut. Um, You know, I think we made the right move ultimately, but this one could hurt for a while if if he continues to have those kind of games moving forward.
0: (laughs) It's only one game uh, and we'll see where the development uh, Kevin King makes. Uh, Ben, one more question before we let you go looking forward uh, how confident are you that this team could go on the road and beat a Falcons team opening their new stadium a- after the beatdown in the NFC Championship game last season?
1: Uh, you know, I think I'm reasonably confident. Um, this is, you know, the Falcons just barely squeaked by the Bears. Um, and, the you know, the Bears are you know, projected to be in the 5-6 win category this year. Um, so that that, you know, I think that kind of bolstered my confidence a little bit. Um, you know, the Darius Gunter is back to being the fourth or fifth cornerback, which is, I think where he should be on the depth chart, as opposed to, um, you know, guarding arguably the best wide receiver in football and Julio Jones. Um, so it'll be nice to have, uh, our secondary in a much better place health wise than we were last year in the NFC championship game. You know, at the same token, that stadium is going to be loud, uh, The team and the fans are going to be fired up, um, de- debuting that new stadium, um, you know, I think it's going to, unlike this last week, I think it's going to be a relatively high-scoring affair. Um, I think Rodgers will get three, four touchdowns and throw for, you know, three, three fifty. Um, I think, you know, I'd like to think, I think if Green Bay pulls out a victory, it's going to be a Mason Crosby field goal at the end or, um, uh, or something pretty close. Uh, but, I, you know, I'd say reasonably confident. Fair enough. How do you, how do you feel? <laughs> how do I feel?
0: Um, I think it's going to be difficult for the Packers to come away with a victory, considering all those things. And I, I don't know why they, why the Falcons struggled so much with the Bears. I, I think they're better than that. I think last year they showed they're better than that, and they're not a significantly different team from last year. I don't know. Uh, that said, I, I'm encouraged by the play of the Packers' defense, and m- maybe I'll change my mind throughout the week here.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's it's going to be an interesting one. It's, it's one of those games I think it's relatively difficult to predict other than the fact that I think I think some points are going to be up on the board. I don't think it's going to be the low scoring boring affair that we saw this past Sunday.
0: Yeah. Uh Ben, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us this morning. Like, like I said, especially getting up so early. Appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your Monday and I'm sure it will be a lot better now that the Packers have won. So Thanks a lot, and uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime.
1: Great. Thanks, Brian. Go All right. Back.
0: <laughs> Go back. Ben Gruel, Packer shareholder, Seattle resident, somebody who I thought could provide some unique perspective from the Pacific coast and did. Uh, glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the- I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Uh, the Packers win 17-9 to in a season-opening victory over the Seattle Seahawks. And as we usually do the day after the game, I'll give you my chips report. Your blue chip players from this game and, and the, the best one, the the top one, you can probably imagine. Mike Daniels, as uh, uh, Ben Gruhl said, one of the best games he can remember by a packers defensive lineman it really was mike daniels of course uh, you're going to remember what we're going to remember is the one one and a half sacks he came up with the forced fumble of course which may have been the biggest play in the game for the green bay packers that set up a touchdown and you know, you know really broke that game turned the momentum of that game around Uh, as he forced the fumble on Russell Wilson early in the second half that Kyler Fackrell recovered. But Mike Daniels, uh, he also on the day had four quarterback hits, uh, team high, uh, two more than anybody else on the team, getting to Wilson, putting a hit on him several times. The big hit there happened in the first half uh, as he, just as Wilson was releasing the ball, looking for Lockett deep down the right sideline. Forcing, you know, probably you could say the pressure forced the overthrow them Uh, on not giving not giving Wilson enough time to really stand comfortably in the pocket, which was huge. And Mike Daniels making seven tackles—that was the second highest amount on the team, And, and that's pretty remarkable for a guy who, you know, plays on the defensive line. First of all, and second of all. Um, not on the field every snap. Like several of the defensive backs were, you know, guys like Ha Ha Clinton Dix, um, uh, guys like Devon House were out there every snap of the game. Whereas Mike Daniels certainly played a lot, and, and maybe more a percentage wise than he had in a long time, but also rotated in and out a little bit with with guys like Ricky Jean Francois, Dean Lowry, guys like that, uh, allowing him to get the occasional breather. So. For him to have the second highest amount of tackles on the team, really remarkable. Your other blue chip performer, Nick Perry, um, what also had one and a half sacks. Uh, you know, really first play of the game set the tone out there, uh, getting pressure. Uh, the sacks uh, resulted in a loss of eleven yards. He had three tackles. He had two quarterback hits. He played well both against the run and the pass. And, and you know how big was it? That, you know, he's out there, you know, whereas he, he had a little bit of an injury during training camp, uh, as did Clay Matthews. And, and how important was it for him to play really a majority of the game? Whereas, you know, Ahmad Brooks, it's his first game. He didn't get any, you know, preseason playing time whatsoever. And Kyler Fackrell was kind of underwhelming during the preseason. They lost J. Ron Elliott so i think they needed perry to play well and he did and what really enc- encourages me about the defenses are two blue chip players mike daniels nick perry those two guys are entering the prime of their career right now these guys should be at the very peak uh of what they can do they're they're now no longer under their first contracts they they've got plenty of experience under their belts and, and haven't yet hit that time where they're on the downside yet Uh, they, they should be at the peak this season of what they can do and and that you know has me really encouraged that the packer defense can be much improved in 2017 your red chip performers the good not great one of them randall cobb uh who had a team high in all these categories here nine receptions on 13 targets for 85 yards, all game highs, uh, surpassing anybody on the Seahawks in those categories as well. He had three receptions the first drive of the game, including a 29-yard reception. So really uh, a a game-high 29-yard reception for him, uh, which really set the tone coming out of the gates, playing well right away. Uh, He also had a 10-yard reception on the game's final drive, that helped run the 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 clock out that was really important at the time as well uh so Randall Cobb just playing really solid and really picking up where he left off last season when he played so well in the playoffs and i i think there were some people that kind of saw you know maybe a little bit underwhelming performance as a whole in 2016 and wondering well, is, is Randall Cobb maybe the forgotten man behind Jordy Nelson and an emerging Devontae Adams? But Randall Cobb playing really well. And, and all the receivers played well this game. You know, Jordy Nelson had the touchdown, and and, and Devontae Adams had several big catches as well. I, I just can't, you know, those three, uh, no complaints with any of them. Uh, but Randall Cobb probably shining the best uh, on his nine receptions. Uh, your other red chip player. Um, and, and, you know, this this player's being graded on a curve. He's he's not going to get quite the benefit of the doubt from here on out, uh, but considering it was his first career start, considering he didn't know it would be his first career start until about 24 hours before the game, considering he was facing Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill for a majority of the game, um, you know, Kyle Murphy gets a red chip for this game. Uh, holding up and showing that you know the Packer offense can really you know be effective even with the backup offensive lineman in there. Uh, he was arguably responsible for two first half sacks, but of course it, you know the the best part of it was settled in and played a better second half in which he he I, I thought he was solid. I didn't see anything really egregious in, in the second half and. And I, I think that's a project of, of just settling in and, and being out there for, you know, an entire half and, and getting into a groove and, and starting to understand what's out there. And and it really, you know, playing with Aaron Rodgers is not easy, um, it, you know, for a guy who's out there giving the hard count and, and for him not to suffer a penalty this game, you know, isn't out there with a false start or anything like that. Um, very good. First game from Kyle Murphy like I said he he wasn't perfect and and perhaps you know uh, uh, another game down the road um, we may he may not get quite as much credit if if he continues to give up these sacks Um, but but I also thought you know that there were a lot of times where he was out there on an island and the Packers not always giving him help you know sometimes they did give him help uh, but, but there was a lot of times he was just out there on an Island and, and did the job and, and it did pretty well. So good job by Kyle Murphy in his first career start, your cow chip players from the game. As we talked about before, um, one of them I gave to Jari Evans, uh, who I didn't think played all that well. And, and Ben Gruel thought he played well, pro football focus graded him out positively. Um, but you, you know, uh, Evans had the two penalties um, that pushed the back, Packers back a combined 20 yards. A- and then, you know, he, he on the interception of the game, the, the most forgettable moment of the game on the interception by Nazir Jones, that, that was Jari Evans' man. Had he engaged him a little bit longer, you know, maybe that interception doesn't happen. Uh, so I put that on Jari Evans a little bit there. Uh, not that that was a great decision by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but still, had he been engaged, that interception may not have happened. A- and then I thought, you know, Jari Evans looked a little bit slow, and and you know, which isn't totally surprising as a guy his age. And, and if but if there's, I I do understand if there's any position out there where you can mask that. It's the interior of the offensive line at guard. Um, but but you know, I I wasn't I I? I didn't think Jari Evans played all that well. It's not like I think he's past his prime and can't play. I, I'm willing to give him more time out there and in, in his again his his first game, first regular season game with the Green Bay Packers. There's still a lot out there for him to learn the nuances of the Packers offense yet. Um but not not a great first start. And the other one goes to uh Devon House, who uh committed two penalties one on defense, one on special teams. He was, the the guilty party on the overthrow by Russell Wilson. Uh, had it been on the mark, uh, Devon House may have gotten beat. And then there was also a missed tackle in there. I think it was on Thomas Rawls. Um, but, it, you know, and we can kind of look at it through the prism of, well, you know, Devon house missed a lot of time during training camp. He missed the first three games he only played sparingly in the final preseason game in which he played just like four snaps or something like that um didn't didn't really you know it, it is is the hamstring injury still lingering I don't know hopefully he just gets better from here uh but not a great first start from Devon house either so so there is your chips report for uh, Sunday's season-opening victory. The day ahead. All right. Um, on, on Monday here, for a victory Monday, Mike McCarthy's post-game press conference or day-after-game press conference starts today at 3.45 p.m. Central Time, um, and that will also be followed by a coordinator's press conference at 4 o'clock p.m., so that would be Edgar Bennett, Dom Capers and Ron Zook. All will meet the media. These can all be streamed live at packers.com so you can check them out. Um and, and you know with with no practice being held on Monday, uh this is the best opportunity for for, for you to get your uh Packers content today. Um and, and so there you go. Make sure to watch that and then also on Monday it's the regular season debut, uh, and, and for many just the season debut, of several Packers talk shows, uh, of which there's a bunch of them. There's the Fifth Quarter, there's Clubhouse Live, there's Inside the Huddle. There's more of them. I, I didn't have time to go through all of them and find out all the guests today, uh, but that's always a cool thing you know. every Monday and, and for some, some shows on, on Tuesdays. Uh, After the game for you to Digest more Packers Content and see what the players have to Say after the game so Season debuts season Premieres uh, for many Of these Packers talk shows on Monday make sure to go check Them out and uh, that's what You're looking at on a Monday and That's going to do it for today's episode Of Railbird Central Thank you everybody so much for joining Us today thank you to Ben Gruel for being our guest, and we'll be back again on this upcoming Wednesday. As usual, our weekly guest on the show, Nathan Yankee of profootballfocus.com, will be there to talk to us, breaking down a season-opening victory for the Green Bay Packers and looking ahead to that game against the Atlanta Falcons. So looking forward to that. Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at... 8:30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. We'll see you later, folks. Um, I leave you today with a song called "One Step Closer" by the String Cheese Incident on Side Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go pack. Go. Yeah. 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 Yeah.